York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. not from you 2 or Bono or any trendoid, freakishoid or jet setter. But I'm thinking that when uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, was over in Qatar and became soccer man with no plan. By the way, he met with the uh, American coach before they got sunk by the Dutch, which I predicted and applauded. We'll save that for another day. I know some of you are sitting shiver here, especially here at WABC. Oh, they're impaling themselves with microphones. A Team USA lost. Of course they lost. The curse of Eric Adams was upon him. Imagine he meets with the coach before they hit the pitch. He predicted victory just like he did, remember, for the Mets going to the World Series and the Yankees not but let me get back on track. You had all the trendoids, freakasoids, and jet setters in Qatar. And Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, was making the rounds, learning about security for future World Cup game. And I'm saying to myself, now hold on, hold on. He flies back to JFK. I think he's back at City Hall now. And, Lou, there's no other way of describing the public safety mishigash in the five boroughs of the city of New York is just a freaking hot mess. And uh, this is the lunchtime edition of WABC where it's yours truly, Curtis Lee. We're giving you a rip and reading commentary. I can speak authoritatively on this subject. I may not be knowledgeable about other subjects. I'll admit, when I ran for mayor against Eric Adams... I was on the periphery of some of the subjects that I was being asked to comment on. I was not an expert, but I think, Lou, we we can look at me and say I'm an expert when it comes to crime in the subways, the streets, and in the city. So I'm going to actually advocate a solution to look at November's crime stats and see that there's a jump in homicide, assault, and robbery. After months, the mayor was crowing, we're down in homicide, we're down. That's that's just one month. You know, you, you, you have to be consistent. It takes you a long time before a trend becomes the reality. Sure, sure, you like good news and not bad news. I get it. We like to see the crime stats going down, not leveling off or going up. But we call that premature celebration. And, uh... The chickens have come home to roost. There's no doubt about it. Let me let me break it down to you because I'm 
I'm going to try to offer a solution here. I know many, uh, many people, including Sid Rosenberg, with his brand new show now in the morning. You got to listen six to ten. It's called Sid Rosenberg and Friends. And I'm just going to suggest an addendum. How about Sid Rosenberg, Friends and One Foe, Curtis Lewa? Because I have sat in opposition to Sid trying to be the kingmaker, doing a shittock and bringing Rudy Giuliani, Michael Mbaticic to the table with Eric Adams. All I've said now, after uh, sitting in the Marriott Hotel for the great annual dinner for the Tunnel to Tower Run Foundation, as they were honoring John and Margot Katsimatidis, our owners and operators of Red Apple Media. Boy, it was a, it just a, it's a great charity. It really is. And I was lobbying Rudy, talking in one ear, giving him cauliflower ear at the table as Sid was lobbying him in the other ear. And I said one thing for the good of the city, because Rudy is the best at this. If Eric Adams would just apologize to Rudy for calling him a racist, I think I think this sit-down could be arranged. And Eric Adams needs help. This is a hot mess. And it starts with the woman who should never have been appointed his police commissioner, Keyshawn Sewell, who was the head of the detectives in Nassau County Department, and all of a sudden... She was immediately elevated to a position she was not prepared for. Why? Because of her gender, she was a female, and because she basically would be at the beck and call of the real police commissioner in New York, Eric Adams. He just has not been able to handle it. I think it's obvious. And the guy that he has appointed deputy mayor in charge of public safety is tainted Phil Banks. He was an unindicted co-conspirator in a police corruption case involving the sale of licenses to individuals applying for a carry permit for pistols. And he should have went to jail, like other cops did. But he became a confidential informant, and he provided information, saved his neck. But the other cops, either they were forced into retirement or they went to jail. And, hey, okay, I understand that's how the criminal justice system works. But you don't reward the guy by putting him in charge as deputy uh, mayor of public safety, in which he is the titular head of the police department. And the reason I say that is I look at this uh, weekend's reports while the mayor was away, and the NYPD commissioner, Sewell, blasted sexist put-downs of her. I guess I would be included in that. I've been her most vociferous critic. Uh, She's claiming she can't do her job because of sexist put-downs, Lou. Internally within the department and from people like me, when in fact it's not a sexist put-down. It's just that she's not ready for prime time. And the mayor returns to a police department in which the morale has hit an incredible all-time low as so many men and women at all different levels of the police department are fleeing. They're either taking early retirement, normal retirement, or they're being recruited in mass by police departments around the country. Recently, they gave a sergeant's test. You heard it from me first here at WABC at Jacob Javits Center. 10,000 men and women in the department showed up to take the test, civil service, to become a sergeant. And as soon as they turned in their sharpened number two pencils and uh, were ready to go home or go uh, to their shift at a nearby precinct, they're like vultures and buzzards right out there on the West Side Highway 
were recruiters from eight different police departments with the table, with the literature, telling the cops, hey, we love you, baby. Come down to Norfolk. Come to the Tidewater Peninsula. Come to Phoenix. Come to Austin. This is what we're offering you, a compensation package that was very, very enticing. Imagine a um, bonus to leave the NYPD, 17000 a housing bonus for a year so that you didn't have to worry about where you'd live. An opportunity to rise through the ranks faster than you could at the NYPD. And an opportunity to be a cop again because they were taking the handcuffs off of you. And a lot have continued the exit. The police commissioner, Keechon Sewell, has to go. She basically took a shot at the administration saying it's about respect and that she gets no respect. She's got to go. And then to be met today upon the return of the mayor by the fact that an initiative was was issued. I don't know if he was cognizant of it or not, you know, because he was all the Trendoids, Freakasoids, uh, Jet Setters in Qatar, Bono, and everybody else. But it had to do with what Eric Adams said months ago about the police, especially in the subways, staring forever into their iPhones and cell phones and not paying attention to their job. I am disappointed in the deployment of transit police personnel. I've shared this before. All of you who take the train, you know you walk downstairs and you see five transit officers standing at the booth looking at their phones. Just can't, we just can't continue to do that. And so... They put out a memo to all men and women in the police department, whether transit, housing, or street and special units. It is requiring police officers to put an NYPD sticker on any work-issued cell phones to discourage them from using their own on the job to either text uh, or to make phone calls or receive phone calls. And from what I could tell of average cops that spoke to me, these are... Former guardian angels who uh, went on to become police officers, they said things like, I threw it in the garbage. It's very intrusive. What is this, kindergarten? People are pissed off in the department. I mean, what are we doing here? Are we children? We're grown men and women. If we're not being respected by our mayor, by our police commissioner, and those who are now beginning to fill the ranks of the top echelon who are taking early retirement... Why are we standing around? Okay. I've laid out the situation. My remedy, Lou, Macedonian Phil, is one that is sort of like the same way that I discussed having a 30-year relationship with Donald Trump, Citizen Trump, before he became president, in which I had a love-hate relationship with him. I think Eric Adams needs to have a sit-down with Bill Bratton. He's a friend of Bill Bratton. Bill Bratton and he, I remember seeing them when Bill Bratton was the transit police chief for David Dinkins at the end of that four years of horror. Thank God Rudy Giuliani got elected and gave us a badly needed colonic and provided us with public safety. But Bill Bratton did an excellent job as transit police officer, transit police chief, and then as Rudy's uh, first police commissioner. And then remember, he came on board... With Bill de Blasio, that was the insurance policy. That was the smartest thing that de Blasio ever did. And you know why he came on to the department? Because he is an advocate of pivot and shift. We're going to have to continue to pivot and shift. Think of it. 
Bill Bratton was there when Rudy Giuliani put into effect stop questioning Frisk, although he didn't abuse it. Then when he came back for Bill de Blasio to become police commissioner, and I got to tell you, Bill de Blasio's wife, who wears the pants in that house, was saying, no, 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 we don't want Bill Bratton. You know, he's the one with stop and frisk. You got to have Phil Banks. Phil Banks, thank God, de Blasio listened to uh, himself and asked Bratton to come on board, and Bratton did. I remember Bill Bratton out in California, in Los Angeles. He was a police commissioner in the interim, and Louie actually did me a solid. We won an award out there from the Hollywood Precinct for our workers' guardian angels, and we had been invited into the belly of the beast, into South Central, and uh, he called me up personally because I've known him in good times and bad times, and he said, Curtis, I would suggest you not go in there. They got AK-47s, and they're ready to kill red varmints. And I was wondering, did he not want us in there? Well, guess what? One of my leaders out there while sitting on his porch in Venice, guy who was nicknamed Gandhi, went to Stanford University, bright but an excellent leader. They did a drive-by shooting on him, Lou. They shot him 28 times. He was dead on arrival. Bill Bratton did me a solid. He is a master at pivot and shift. He's able to do it. He did it for de Blasio. De Blasio said, no more. Stop questioning and frisk. And Bratton did it and was able to keep the crime down. Now, when he left and O'Neill took over, then the crime began to go up. O'Neill had good cred, too. He had been a transit cop. And then when Dermot Shea came in, Mr. Analytics, I only know how to crunch numbers and make precincts and district uh, deputy inspectors and district uh, uh, commanders look good. That was it. He became the lapdog for Bill de Blasio, and we just imploded. So, Lou, I might have to uh, do this through Sid Rosenberg, who's the newfound friend of Eric Adams. Because I don't think Eric Adams will listen to me. I mean, we're like two uh, scorpions in a brandy glass for a lot of reasons. But I think it behooves him now to pick up the phone and say, Bill Bratton, we've been friends. I've taken advice from you before. Could you come back just for one year? One year. Straighten this hot mess, this mishigash out, and then go back into the private sector or retire. Because Bill Bratton, you know where all the bones are buried in the police department. You've done three tours of duty. First, a transit police commissioner under Dinkins, police commissioner for Rudy, police commissioner for de Blasio. And you know how to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And that, I think, would be a, at least a temporary solution to the hot mess that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, has put us in. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Yeah, this is the Georgia Bulldogs fight song. They're undefeated. And look, uh, you don't have to be a great football prognosticator to know the over-under point spread. They're on their way to the NCAA championship. They're undefeated, Michigan undefeated, but Michigan's no match for the Bulldogs. And in fact, who was at the Bulldogs game, the home game this weekend? Herschel Walker. Remember, he was Heisman Trophy winner for the Bulldogs in 80. 
And he won him a national championship in 82 before he was signed up by, yes, Donald Trump to play for the New Jersey Generals. And then went on for the Dallas Cowboys, the Giants. And who thought he would ever run for the U.S. Senate? But also at the home game campaigning for votes was Reverend Warlock. I call him Warlock instead of Warnock because he's gone to war against Herschel Walker now twice. And what has to be probably the dirtiest campaign uh, I've ever, ever watched from afar as they have accused Herschel Walker of every decadent, debaucherous activity other than uh, appearing in the, uh, the film. That was done years and years ago by, if you remember, Guccion Caligula. They probably have him figured out there, but he's a black guy, right? Uh, he would have uh, stood out like, uh, well, I can't say that, sore thumb or something else. Anyway, let's carry on because uh, early voting is over. Two million people voted early voting. An all-time record. And remember, originally, the arguments of the Democrats... Stacey Abrams, oh, no, the new rules and regulations are there to suppress a vote. Well, guess what? Blacks have turned out at a greater rate than ever before. 31% of registered blacks have voted in early voting, far surpassing the vote total of whites so far in the early stage. Remember, Tuesday they wrap it up. And they brought in the big gun to try to get Reverend Warlock over the top who's been struggling a bit. You would have thought that, oh, he's a reverend boy. He's got pearls of wisdom dripping from his lips. Not. You would have thought they would have reached out to Joe Biden, who survived the midterm elections and did relatively well compared to what we were originally saying. Nope. Leave Joe Biden in his basement in Delaware. And obviously, Herschel Walker has not had a visit from Donald Trump. Wise. Keep Biden away. Keep Trump away. This should be the way it goes in the future, out with the old, in with the new. Bye-bye, Trump. Bye-bye, Biden. But anyway, I digress. But boy, Barack Obama, you know why he's the Mashiach of the Democratic Party. This guy is a smooth operator. Remember that song by Sade, Smooth Operator? Man, that fits. Barack Obama, brand-new billionaire. Here's a guy who started out as a state senator from south side of Chicago, originally a carpetbagger, a haole from Oahu, where he was smoking Maui Waui Hindu Kush. In his own memoirs, he wrote that. He becomes a community organizer south side. He challenges a congressman on the west side of Chicago, right? Oh, man. Former head of the Black Panther Party there, and he got crushed three to one. So he went back and he said, all right. I'll go to Springfield, and I'll be a state senator, but, you know, I really want to become president of the United States. With a name like Barack Hussein Obama, never going to happen, I said. Never! Well, he became U.S. senator, and remember how he became U.S. senator? Because the Republican, the leading candidate, was caught in a menage a trois. Remember that guy? He had to exit at the last second, and then they brought in a carpetbagger from Maryland to run against him. And boy, it was a slam dunk. Two years in the U.S. Senate, JV, and then immediately running for the presidency. You know the rest of the story. But let's face it. Barack Obama, smooth operator. Listen to him on the stump. You know why the Democrats want to use him as much as they can in any election cycle. 
Since the last time I was here, Mr. Walker has been talking about issues that are of great importance to the people of Georgia. Like whether it's better to be a vampire or a werewolf. <laughs> this is a debate that I must confess I once had myself. <laughs> when I was seven. Then I grew up. Wow. In case you're wondering, by the way, Mr. Walker decided he wanted to be a werewolf. Which is great. As far as I'm concerned, he can be anything he wants to be. Except for a United States senator. Man, he wrapped that up. And that was based on what Herschel Walker, remember, we played it to death, the two-minute... He went on and on about uh, the werewolf versus the vampire, which can you imagine after all these months of knocking themselves out, gazillions of dollars pouring into the state of Georgia on both sides. It may come down to the story that Herschel Walker talked about watching Fright Night the night before and the difference between a werewolf and a vampire. Well, here's Herschel, normal Herschel on the stump which is very hard for me to follow under normal circumstances. He went biblical on me here. Cain killed Abel, you know, and uh, you know, and that's the problem that we have. And I said, what we need to do is look into how we can stop those things. You know, he talked about doing a disinformation. What about getting a department that can look at young men that's looking at uh, women that looking at uh, just social media. What about doing that, looking into things like that, and we can stop that that way. But yet they want to just continue to talk about taking away your constitutional rights. You know, uh, Mastonian Phil, could you take that in the rear room and backmash that? I, 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 what the hell does that have to do with Cain and Abel is beyond me. So you would think that, heads up, the guy who can be understood because he's in the bully pulpit of the church that Martin Luther King Jr.'s father was the pastor of and Martin Luther King Jr. was the pastor of in downtown uh, Atlanta. Nope. Listen to Reverend Warlock as he gets into his holy roller routine on the campaign trail. You cut the head off of a snake. It shakes and moves violently, not because it is living, but because it is dying. Power conceives nothing without a demand. So there is both victory in this moment and there is violence in this moment. There is fantastic opportunity and fierce opposition. And it reminds us that there is still a whole lot of work to do. My God, talking about cutting the heads off of snakes, doing the holy roller. Hey, down there, Lou, last time I remember, particularly in the hillbilly portion of Georgia, they generally take snakes, they put it around their neck, poisonous snakes, they got no shoes on, and they're dancing, you know, the charismatics. Oh, my God, feed the stereotype of deliverance. But anyway, speaking of snakes, who sinit, as my grandfather Fidel Bianchini would say, what a piece of work Attorney General Tish James of New York State. She knows nothing about pursuing street crime or white-collar crime. She basically says, look, I'm the first uh, black uh, black female attorney general in New York. Should have been the governor. But, hey, I'll wait my time. 
And she does nothing but pursue anything labeled Trump. Donald Trump, Donald Trump's family, Donald Trump's business enterprises. And she practices the martial art called I Sue Trump. I don't know if it's um, a form of Kung Fu, Goju Karate, I don't know. But the point is, that's all she ever does. And then, of course, she cut off the head of the snake, as she actually told some of her female Democratic uh, associates. Of Andrew Evilized Como, King Como the Second, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Como, King Como the First, and in August of 2021, he had to exit as governor. He thought he could be governor for life. Remember, there are no term limits there. And uh, he left with El Capitan only because I and Nancy at that time rushed up to the governor's mansion on Eagle Street and Lou. We said, we're here to rescue El Capitan, who was busy humping a state trooper's leg because Andrew hadn't gotten him fixed. By the way, Andrew has a podcast out. He talks about he and El Capitan walking the husky and being attacked by coyotes. I wonder if that is a metaphor for Tish James. Well, anyway, she knocked out Andrew Cuomo out of the governor's office for being Governor Perf. And now it turns out that she was covering up the perv in her own office. Remember the name, Ibrahim Khan. Is this like uh, Ricardo Montemam Khan? No, no, no. This guy was a campaign manager when she was public advocate, campaign manager when she became attorney general. This is a lifelong consigliere to her. She knew of all the charges against him, all before this election cycle. Now we understand why she wouldn't debate Michael Henry, the great attorney general candidate, Republican conservative, because she didn't want this to get out before the election. What a fake, phony, fraudulent hypocrite. Meantime, speaking of the politics locally, as we have, this is incredible. Let's go to the City Council of New York. 51, and most are so far to the left that if they were all standing on a stage to 51, the stage on the left would collapse. Some of them are followers of AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The... Uh, Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors. That is Caban in Astoria. What has Caban done? Caban has issued a potential bill that right now looks like it may pass in the city council chambers. She wants to make it so that the just cause law bars fast food companies from firing or laying off workers or even cutting their hours by more than 15%. Now, I was a Mickey D's manager, right? That's where I started the Guardian Angels in 1979. I wouldn't have been able to do half the things that I did. Basically, if you work for Mickey D's, if you work for Burger King, BK, if you work for Wendy's or any fast food outfit, according to uh, Kaban, you can never be fired. You have lifetime employment. And remember, you see the minimum wage goes up and up and up. Then the other city council measure. That will probably be voted on and will require a veto from Eric Adams if he dares. He's going to have to show some chutzpah. He's going to have to show some culions. He's going to have to stand up to the council, something he refuses to do. It's a bill that I call the comfort criminal bill. So with evictions harder to do, you're going to see fewer available apartments as property owners decide it isn't worth renting out their buildings. And now city council is set to pass 
a bill outlawing criminal background checks on prospective housing tenants. So if you're a building owner, agent, an employee that's trying to rent uh, an apartment and real estate broker, except when it comes to New York sex offenders registered, because there's a registry of that, your, your criminal background will never be known. You could be a, a narco-terrorist. You can be a gangbanger. You can be a drug dealer. You can be an enemy of society, and they're never going to know that. And once you get the apartment, you lease it or rent it or the commercial property, it will be damned if they ever are able to evict you because it is so difficult to do that in tenant land and court. And notice the irony. If you're a resident of NYCHA, you live in the projects, of which there are many in the five boroughs. You are exempt because the city is federally mandated to do background checks on tenants. So NYCHA, they do background checks, but for the rest of the city, oofa. And then this real loony kazuni from parts unknown. This uh, councilwoman, Jessica Gonzalez Rojas, has put forward a bill in which she wants to make it so that if you... Uh, have HIV, if you're infected, and you don't use a jimmy cap or you don't use any contraception at all and warn your sexual partner, then instead of going to jail, which you should, because that could be a death sentence, that no problem. Uh, The last time I checked, she said, it's still a transmittable disease, but you know what? There shouldn't be any any criminal penalties for this whatsoever between consenting adults. Well, how is the other adult going to consent if they don't know that you're HIV positive? This is nuts. Although I saw there is some good news there. I want to relate this to all of you because this occurred overnight. As uh, Republicans have been clobbered by Democrats who are trying to take away Their hard-won assemblymatic seats will get into that momentarily because I've spent a lot of my broadcast time coming to the defense of of Sullivan out in the Rockaways, Tom Sullivan, and uh, Lester Chang, who's having his assembly seat basically denied him, even though he won fair and square in Brooklyn. Let's talk about what happened, and I took a lot of heat for this, Lou. Over the years, I have been a supporter of Brooklyn Councilman Ari Kagan. He's a Democrat. I can't tell you how much grief I got from my fellow Republicans who said, you got to support whoever we put up against Ari Kagan. I said, no, I can't. I've, I've campaigned for Ari. I've raised money for him. I've been at his house. I encourage people, especially the Russians, the East Europeans, and others who were very supportive of my mayoral, mayoral campaign. I won their vote to vote for Ari, and luckily he got into the city council. He is a Democrat. Who's a common-sense Democrat? Well, guess what? He flipped the script. As of today, he announced on the front steps of City Hall that as he represents Coney Island and those other southern Brooklyn neighborhoods, he will now register as a Republican, and he will go on to challenge the fiend, Brooklyn Councilman Justin Brannon in Bay Ridge. This is going to be a heavyweight battle. We're going to need all your help out there, those of you who support Republican candidates, because Justin Brannon is an immovable object who supported defunding the police, which he continues to do, and defunding the prisoners. He is the best friend the criminals have ever had. 
And through his lobbying of new hipsters and millennials moving in, Bay Ridge, which used to be solidly red back in the days of Marty Golden when he was the state senator there, is now blue. Oh, Larry, you can count on me. I'm coming. I'm coming there to support you against Justin Brandon, as should everybody. And let me give you an update, Lou, on that assembly manic race we've been following in the Rockaways. Breezy Point, the Irish Riviera, Broad Channel, and Howard Beach involving Tom Sullivan. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know something about Tom Sullivan, who's a very dear friend of Sid Rosenberg, you ever see that movie, The Sullivan Brothers? You know, in World War II, they were serving in the Navy, and as a result of their loss of life while serving on the same ship, a law was passed that said you could not have siblings serving in the same unit, serving on the same ship. But they were very, that was a brave family. Well, consider the modern-day Sullivans of the Rockaways. Stand-up men and women and been there to serve the community. Tom Sullivan, war hero, served in the United States military at time of war, was there when 9-11 collapsed and was bringing bodies out of that inferno, ran against Joe Adabo, a child of privilege, nepotism, who was the state senator out there, ran a damn good race, and then took on Pfeiffer, Fee-Fi-Fo-Flum, Pfeiffer Amato, the daughter of the assemblywoman she could have been for life, Audrey Pfeiffer, who's now the county clerk. They've taken it before a judge. He won fair and square. There were 96 absentee ballots that were challenged by Republicans and Democrats together. They said they were tainted. They could not be considered in the vote. Audrey Pfeiffer, who's got the hook into the state Supreme Court judges in Queens, Said, oh, no, no, we're going to have a hearing. Said, don't you think you should recuse yourself? No, I'm not recusing myself. And by the way, the stepfather of Pfeiffer is the lobbyist for the court officers in the state of New York. The fix is in. Tom Sullivan is three votes ahead. They have said internally they want this wrapped up by Wednesday, next Wednesday. They want... Pfeiffer Amato, fee-fi-fo from Pfeiffer, anointed the assemblywoman by any means necessary. They're stealing this election. We must stop them. The whole world is watching. And then even more egregious. I talked to you about Lester Chang, war hero in his own right, served United States Navy 24 years, and a just proud Chinese-American. Went to Midwood High School, right? Lived in Brooklyn. Briefly lived in Chinatown with his wife on Rivington Street. Unfortunately, she died, oh, my God, three years ago. It it destroyed him. But he went home to his mother, 95 years old, in the house that he was born and raised in, where he went to Midwood High School because he is her primary care provider. She has dementia, Alzheimer's, like so many other old-timers. Rather than put her in a home, he said, I'll move back with you, Mom. And he went out there and he fought a campaign that nobody thought he could win as a Republican conservative in the area of Bensonhurst, in the area of Borough Park, Sunset Park, and Tyker Heights. One-third Italian, one-third Orthodox Jewish, one-third Chinese-American against Peter Abate Jr., vile, despicable, 36 years in the assembly, poster child for term limits, who said on 9-11 at a commemoration, how dare he, he said, oh, Lester, I see you showed up early for Halloween in your costume. In his navy whites, despicable, who disgraziata, 
Shanda. And now the Assembly Democrats have come together under Carl Hasey and they say, we're not going to allow Lester Chang to be seated, even though he won the election 53 to 47. We're going to block him on January 1st. We got to help Lester. They're stealing his election. He's going to be on Fort Hamilton Parkway tomorrow at 11. I'll have more details. This will be the first of many de- demonstrations. We cannot let them again deny an Asian American what is rightfully the choice of the voters of Brooklyn that Lester Chang be their assemblyman.